Untitled Beatles podcast. TJ, has anyone ever described something you've done as Shanoff esque? Shannon esque, yes. <laughs> Shanoff esque, no. Usually Shanoff esque means rushed and with a funny idea that doesn't quite come to fruition. <laughs> oh, in other words, the Untitled Beatles podcast. Whoa, is that what we're doing right now? <laughs> we still don't have a title. We're just winging it. That's just a name. You know, like Shoe. The shoes. See, we could have been called the shoes. Every week we wing it. We wing it with notes. Why can't they be serious like the Beatles were? (laughs) All this joking around. The Beatles weren't funny. It's not so funny. No, they were very serious about everything they did. You can knit a sweater by the fireside. Sunday mornings go for a ride. You know, like even when they were doing that ventriloquist stuff with two of us, like... They committed really hard to that. And I thought it was actually like... You know, they have clowning, you know, in in Canada and stuff. And it's very serious. And it's very, like, it's emotional. I I got emotional when they did the ventriloquist thing because I really felt that way. Well, and you referred to clowning in Canada, which is my favorite Sondheim composition. And I'll send in the Canadian clowns. But where are the clowns? Quick, send in the clowns. (laughs) (laughs) All clowns, this is uh, just Canada trivia for you. All clowns in Canada are on horseback. It's a thing with the Mounties that they signed way back when, when Canada became a a country. Clowns on horseback, the Ronald Reagan story. Um, Yeah, man. uh, What do you think? (laughs) Do clowns scare you? We should get into this. How frightening are clowns to you? Uh, They are not. I think that the scary clown thing became very much like the word moist became like, oh, I hate the word moist. It's like moist is a great word. I think it's a funny word and it's it's really fun. And that's why I also made an appearance in Carnival of Light when we use that obscure David Letterman drop from 1986 where the guy says and. It's moist. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think clowns and moist are in the same category where they're like universally reviled at this point. It's kind of a cliche. So I'm I'm actually pro clown, pro moist right now. So put that in your pipe and moist it. Congrats on both of those. Thank um, you. One could argue death to Smoochie was my generation's Schindler's List. Robin Williams, <laughs> Edward Norton, Danny DeVito, Catherine Keener. What is it? And I would, I would I would also say the one clown that's ever scared me, we used to, I grew up in the city, we used to have birthday parties at the Rock and Roll McDonald's, sure. the original one before the they tore one. it down. And, yeah. With pictures of the Beatles on it. Yes, pictures yeah. of the Beatles. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> then we had a party there in seventh grade and a guy dressed kind of like Ronald McDonald as a superhero came out with a tray of burgers. <laughs> he had the biggest package anyone had oh. ever seen through oh. the costume oh. and he has a plate of hamburgers and announces hi kids i'm mac man <laughs> <laughs> like pac-man but with but mcdonald's, but McDonald's mac like mac and me yeah with a tray of burgers and the single biggest Ding dong ding. <laughs> to this day, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Big is back. Big sun, big sail, big splash, big wave, big hat, big drink, big kiss, big wing, big feet, big fries, big bite, big guy. Good time. Well, <laughs> thank you for listening to the Untitled Beatles podcast. I'm Tony Mendoza. Yeah, I'm TJ Shanoff this week, and we have a fun episode planned. It is a concoction, a sweet confectionery concoction of Tony Mendoza's today's ep. Yes, I'm taking full credit for this. No, I was, you know, I was just thinking like, here's something I remember. When I worked in radio in the mid-90s out in Coachella, California, we would get music sent in. And I I, I want to say um, 
Matthew Sweet had a new record out called 100% Fun at the time. And I remember reading the reviews and stuff. We played a couple songs off that record. And, but I remember all the press saying it was Beatlesque and stuff. And uh, yeah, I remember trying to find the Beatles in that. And I, I did struggle with it with that particular record. But that same year, there was another band called Guided by Voices that came out. And they had a song that I was like, oh, that to me is Beatlesque. And uh, yeah, it just made me think of like, that term and how it gets thrown around a lot and what like what are what is Beatlesque and and what are some songs that I, I guess are sound like the Beatles to us that we actually enjoy listening to and that kind of a thing. I thought we'd share our favorite Beatlesque songs. Yeah, I mean, and we should determine what is Beatlesque. I mean, I think for at least our generation, there's no song that's more ubiquitously Beatlesque than Rockwell's um, <laughs> Somebody's Watching Me. <laughs> Right. Also, more nepotism, because that was uh, Barry Gordy's nephew, right? Yeah, and that's where he got Michael Jackson to sing on it. Yeah, yeah. Rockwell. Great song. I'm just an average man with an average life. I work from nine to five. Hey, hell, I pay the price. All I want is to be left alone in my average room. But why do I always feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone? <laughs> Every line, he's taking a dump. <laughs> and I get no privacy. <laughs> well, TJ, you and I might have different ideas about what Beatlesque means. <laughs> <laughs> That's more Beatle-ish. <laughs> no, it's funny because you and I made lists. Uh, you've got some incredible newer songs. All of my songs are from 1879. <laughs> that are Beatlesque. <laughs> Not true, not true. You've got some some newer ones on there too. So yeah, right. What does Beatlesque mean? Without looking it up and stuff, I hear the things I wrote down. Jangly guitars. That's one that gets thrown around a lot, right? And that's not exclusive to the Beatles. These are just elements of the Beatles. Uh, close harmonies, you know, those kind of Everly Brothers harmonies. This boy wouldn't mind the pain. Interesting chord changes. I wonder everywhere, and if she's beside me, I know I need never care. Fake British accents, maybe. Even though the, the Beatles sang in American. Say, can you speak with an American accent, Paul? Can I? No. You can't? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, sir. sir. Yes, sir, sir. How about you, John? Do you do you speak American at all? Here's one. Yes, hello, how are you? Is that American? More Liverpool, I think. More West Coast, I think. I'm saying with Beatlesque bands, or if your band gets that moniker of Beatlesque, it might be because you, you sound like you have a British accent when you sing. Lush arrangements. You know, or it could be like a little thing, like the piccolo trumpet flourish or something. Like suddenly your song sounds like the Beatles. Or like a melodic slide guitar line, like a George Harrison sounding later area. And like, oh, that sounds like the Beatles to me. Those are the things I wrote down. Yeah, I think power pop is another phrase I'd add to that because I yeah. don't think there is power pop without the Beatles. The thing with Beatlesque that has always been vexing to me is that there are so many elements of Beatles music that so many songs can be Beatles because yeah. more than the Stones, more than the Who, more than Elvis, the Beatles invented the rock era. There was rock and roll before the Beatles, but the Beatles synthesizing so many genres, country, rock, soul, R&B, music hall, show tune, pop, Right. Nobody sounded like the Beatles before the Beatles. So there's so much to pull from for what's Beatlesque. The one thing that's crazy to me, Tony, that I've always loved, and we'll try to find some drops from this. Anytime there's a documentary where they can't use Beatle music, the <laughs> fake Beatlesque music is always 
awful. Oh. Generic music that's made to sound like the Beatles. That sounds like a like a, a B side that that the birds worked on and then rejected. Yeah. Like Beatle esque music. Yes. For that is unlicensed is always like it, it, Beatles like fun with the Fab Four. Those documentaries that like are like if you see something on A and E in the nineties about the Beatles, it's using stock dumb Beatles sound alike music. Firstly, I'm not auditioning for Pirates of the Caribbean. I was in the car crash yesterday. <laughs> Tony Bramwell grew up with the Beatles in Liverpool, later becoming a close and trusted aide of theirs. Yes, I completely agree with you. Yeah, that stock music that's supposed to like mean British invasion or something. It's usually like, okay. And it always it's sounds always terrible. It always sounds like it was made in the 80s or 90s. You know, it, nothing, it never sounds like anything close to the real thing. But, you know, they can't afford the other stuff, so they have to do something, I guess. But but to your point, what is Beatlesque? Does that mean she loves you? Maybe. Does that mean Helter Skelter? Here comes the sun. Martha, my dear. You know, or is it help? Pick anything. Rocky Raccoon. You know, it could be anything. There are certain bands that also are were known as Beatlesque, you know, like ELO. In fact, I want to say John Lennon called them Sons of Beatles. I think he meant Sons of Bitches, but we're going to play Electric Light Orchestra uh, from last year, Showdown, which I thought was a great record, and I was expecting it to be number one, but I don't think uh, UA got their fingers out and pushed it. And it's a nice group. I call them Son of Beatles, although they're doing things that we never did, obviously. But I remember the statement they made when they first formed was to carry on from where the Beatles left off with Walrus, and they certainly did. She cried to the southern wind About a life that never should have Every dream in her heart is gone Heading for a showdown There's a quote in that Playboy interview book where he says something to the effect of, if you want I Am The Walrus music, go listen to ELO. Yeah. I think John was that explicit about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. Who knew how prophetic John Lennon was in 1980, Tony? Because from 87 on, Jeff Lynne would be associated with one of the Beatles until his death and would later go on to produce Paul McCartney as well. Jeff Lynne's responsible for Flaming Pie. Yeah. So... What John said about Jeff Lynne in 1980 proved to be more than true because Jeff Lynne would produce Free as a Bird in Real Love. Yeah. Yeah, he's connected to all that stuff, too. Yeah. And, like, I remember, like, in the 90s, Oasis got that tag all the time. And they were big fans. They covered I Am the Walrus, speaking of that song, which we reviewed. Like a live version. Yeah. Yeah, and... And George bashed Oasis every chance George could get. <laughs> Thank George, you, George used to shit on Oasis, which was very funny. Oasis have always made it well known what massive Beatles fans they are. But as far as George is concerned, the band would be better off without their lead singer. Oh, he's like a bit out of date. You know, I mean, he's a bit of a... It's just, it's just silly. It's silly. I feel a bit sorry for him, really, because I think he's totally missed the bus. You know, I mean, he's just excess baggage, I think. And all he does is, you know, make people think what a bunch of prannies they are. That was fun. But they got that tag a lot. Like, honestly, I, I could see it here and there. It depends. I was never big on them, so. I wasn't either. Yeah. Uh, Klaatu, of course, uh, which we covered. The Canadian the Canadian Beatles, they were called back in the 70s when people thought, like, oh, this, this is secretly the Beatles. They secretly <laughs> reunited in they're Canada. They're on Capitol. It's got to be. Yeah. And they're on, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on Capitol. I think the Beatles owed one more record. <laughs> the other Beatles band on Capitol, the Knack. Remember, they were another one. Yeah. Well, Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick also got that got that moniker. And think even Harry Nilsson, too, who the Beatles said they loved in 68. And then Nilsson also did that Beatle... Um, medley thing he did in the 60s with his career. Yeah, rooted in You Can't Do That that is yeah. so great. Yeah. Yeah. 
honestly, I always thought that that descriptor, Beatlesque, I always thought that was a bit of a curse. Like if you're in a band, uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe this is glass half empty. But to me, it's like, oh, my band got labeled Beatlesque. And so when people come to hear it, you're like, you guys aren't as good as the Beatles, <laughs> you know? Oh, cool. Yeah. Put me up there against like the arguably the best band of all time or the most popular or whatever, the most you know, artistically adventurous band in the world. It, it's hard to measure up to the a band like the Beatles. Yeah, but the Beatles, no offense. I know you're more of a fan than I am. <laughs> 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 cut bait on this bit. The bit was going to culminate with a reference to 90s country singer Joe Diffie's song, Bigger Than the Beatles. <laughs> Can you get there? It sounds so good. <laughs> Let's play the drop. She's got a thing that's bigger than the Beatles. Something, something like the Rolling Stones. Uh, they got a love that takes them higher than the Eagles. Ain't a life such a sweet, sweet song. Nah, 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 nah. All right, so Beatlesque. We sent each other songs that that we thought sounded like the Beatles or were we did. quote unquote Beatlesque. And you had some great parameters which you half violated, which I'll get to. You half violated one of your own parameters. Uh, I, I that did. I'll get to as we go. You totally oh, I did. Can't which wait. is which is fine. <laughs> and I'm here to burn you. We're not partners unless I make <laughs> you look stupid. Comedy <laughs> duos tonight. Um <laughs> But you had these great parameters that, like, we couldn't do the Ruddles or Todd Rundgren's Utopia, which released a whole album trying to sound like the Beatles. Like, you mentioned a couple oh, that, okay. I didn't that know. you said not to put on this list is how I interpreted it. <laughs> I did. I tried to set some rules. You know me. I like rules. I like to paint <laughs> within the lines. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I just thought, like, we'd already d we've done an episode on the Ruddles, right? So I, I just felt like we've talked about the Ruddles. And that's a pastiche thing. That's a that's a band that's trying to sound like the Beatles as a gag, right? Working up a fever in a one-horse town was a jockey by the name of Joe. So I was just trying to avoid that. So that also takes out things like uh, the Wonders or the Oneaters, if you will. No, look, the Wonders. Lenny. Yeah, it looks like the Oneaters. No, the the Wonders. Got it. Looks like the Oneaters. From uh, that thing you do. That thing you do. Thank yeah. you. And then that, like that Tony Hendra National Lampoon record, I like so much. So I took that one out. Me auntie, she tore off me fucking bones. She just threw the bastards out. I can't forgive her because she didn't treat me like a fucking genius. Look, you bastards, I'm a genius like Shakespeare and Beethoven and Van Gogh. Those who dare criticize my work. Those Laurie Kyoko was one of the fucking best rock and roll records ever made. I'm a fucking artist. I'm sensitive as shit. And because we'd already done the Clatu thing, I said, we won't, let's not talk about Clatu or Clateau, however. <laughs> We said it. And I also took people uh, out that were like um, like Julian Lennon, Sean Lennon, and maybe like Mike McGear and stuff, stuff like that. Like people that are kin of the Beatles I took out just because it's like to me, they kind of had an upper hand. And some ways, like with Julian Lennon, his first record, you, you can't help but not sound like the Beatles or at least John Lennon. How can I explain the meaning of our love? Valat was a haunting, genuinely song when that when that thing came out. Yeah, the, Phil Ramone produced it like a George Martin record. I mean that the, his voice that sounded so much like John back in the day. Yeah, so that's all I did. I wanted to like take those out because they're just so close, so close. So I wanted to get more into the Beatle esque things and also just music that you and I listen to, like you know, for fun and casual and. Oh, yeah, that sounds like my favorite band, you know. Music's not fun. It is work. <laughs> and now as we go along here, I, I encourage you, the listener, to submit your Beatlesque songs that you enjoy listening. And maybe we'll do a whole episode on our listeners' favorite Beatlesque songs. That was something to do. Great. When my understudies here. 
<laughs> yeah, TJ doesn't do repeat episodes. Or <laughs> no, I'm all about the new. <laughs> Don't look at me, it's way <laughs> too soon. I like I that played, song. Haven't played piano while, and the first thing out of my hands was new. <laughs> it's a great song. It is. I give Paul a lot of credit. That well, one was great. Well, well. My first Beatles song is maybe one of my two or three favorite non Beatles songs ever. And uh, it's by a guy I've mentioned. I've certainly mentioned the song before in this show many times. But Marshall Crenshaw's Someday Someway, a song he wrote for Robert Gordon, uh, for Robert Gordon's comeback album, or trying trying to kind of give him a a bit of a comeback after being out of the public eye, surf rocker Robert Gordon, for a long time. And yeah, it was a single from his debut album. It was a pretty big chart hit. But Marshall Crenshaw played John Lennon in Beatlemania. He is right. he's been Beatle influence his entire career. And this record is his debut album, Tony, full of Beatles references. He also covers Soldier of Love oh. in 1982, which reaching into an obscure Beatles cover that never made an official record. Yeah. Did he have like Live at the Beeb volume seven or something like he must? Uh, yeah, have. <laughs> I think I think he knew his Beatles history. I've got some bootleg of him breaking into Ask Me Why with an audience request and nailing all the changes. Ask Me Why, wow. a weirdly complex song. Yeah. One of their early songs. Not an easy one. No, not an easy one. But yeah, Marshall Crenshaw, someday, some way. I love the vibe. I love the feel. And those hooks to me say early Beatles so well. We're delighted to have him here tonight for his network television debut. Please welcome Marshall Crenshaw. Yeah, what I I really liked is that the link you sent me, we traded links so we could hear the songs, so we could each comment on them. You sent me the uh, live on Letterman clip. Yeah, from from 82, Letterman's first year. Letterman's first year. So that was great. And that was one of the rare instances, maybe in the early days, I think they actually used to let the bands just play instead of being augmented by Schaefer and what became the world's most dangerous band in later years. So... This is just them as a three piece. And I love that his bass player is a lefty, just like Paul. Just like Paul, yeah. <laughs> and he looks like Lennon. He looks like Lennon, like around the uh, instant karma era when they shave their heads and stuff and his hair was growing back. And another little trivia, because I wanted to, he was like from Detroit, I think, the Detroit area. Yes. So one of his first bands was called Asti- <laughs> Astigfa. Did you know about this? No. Is it an acronym? It is. American Society. What is it? A splendid time is guaranteed for all. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, so he was deep in, in the Beatles. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I mean, you've known this song. This is, we talk about 1982 a lot on this show. That's my magic year for discovering pop music on the radio. Yeah. So I, I feel I feel a connection. I love that about the two of us. We yeah. both feel that about that year. <laughs> Yeah. That's one of the hits of 82. Uh, quickly, Marshall Crenshaw's follow-up album the following year, produced by super producer Steve Lillywhite, and that album didn't sell. And it began, yeah. each successive album sold less and less and less. And it's a shame because Marshall Crenshaw has some wonderful solo work. Um, but do you remember the song, and do you see the Beatles connection? Did you see it before I mentioned it? Yeah, I totally see it. Yeah, I mean, especially in the chorus. When the chorus kicks in and you finally hear the bass, I think the bass player is kind of laying out during um, the verses. Uh, I was going to say, it looks like he's playing, but I think he's maybe just keeping time or he's playing very low or lightly so you don't hear him. But yeah, when the bass kicks in and it's like a walkie kind of a a Paul feel. Just the pop elements of it. I know pop is such a huge word and encompasses so many things. I think what the Beatles did with the pop catchy thing was there was always just like a hint of melancholy in there. There was always like because they always would throw in like weird minor chords or maybe it's that surprising chord thing 
where they would just take yeah. you to some other place that you weren't expecting. And uh, I think the chorus kind of did that to me in this song. I don't remember hearing that when I was a kid in 82 when this was out there, but now as like more of a Beatle head, I hear it. Yeah, we mentioned SPY. That ends on a minor chord after not really hearing minor in the song. That's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good song. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of my all time favorite songs. And there's a direct connection to me from loving that song and falling in love with the Beatles simultaneously. That's a good pick, man. That's a good pick. I picked this one, the which goes after more of like the Beatles earlier sound, like that Hard Day's Night era sound. And it's I don't know if you describe them as a garage rock band. They definitely have some garage elements. They're called the Mooney Suzuki. They released this EP back in 2006, and the song is called This Lonely Land. To me, it sounds like the early Beatles, and it's a successful version of that. That doesn't sound too cloying. Honestly, it does sound like it could have been on the That Thing You Do soundtrack, right? <laughs> but it's good. I really like it. There's the, the beat on it has that kind of a I feel fine kind of a thing going on with the ride cymbal bell of the ride cymbal with the tom-tom beat. It ends on the sixth chord, <laughs> which is clearly like a nod to the Fab Four. love this song my note for this i'd never heard of this band never heard the song my note was i want to hear this again and again <laughs> it's good right yeah I, it's got that kind of be my baby beat to open yes. and close it and then it goes into a straight four so the the instrumentation is interesting the composition is interesting i wrote down hard days night era inspired totally yeah yeah and even that guitar solo like there's no uh effects pedals on the guitar solo It's definitely a busier solo than George would have done, but I, to me, it sounds like a George-esque solo. Yes. A lot of the songs we both covered have solos inspired by George. Like the, the George uh, influence is pervasive in bands old and new, which is so neat to see. Totally. That's, so uh, how did you get into some of these bands that I kind of know or don't know and kind of like, I just never hear. Like, how do you get into a lot of these bands in the last 10 years? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, honestly, man, it, it really is, I hate to say it, but the it's the algorithm. I've been listening to music in my free time, you know, just going through life and doing chores or, you know, like during the pandemic when we're all cooped up and then there's like, I get podcasted out, like I'm sure you all do, but, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes I just want to hear music. And then I think I took the time during the pandemic to like follow all the bands I followed. And I followed like, you know, probably 500 different bands that I liked. And then when the album runs out, it just starts playing songs that uh, have the same kind of things going on, but might also challenge you this way or challenge you that way. And this is actually how I, I only heard this song like within the last couple of years. Going back to bands like Of Montreal in the 90s, I found them out. And that was because I think I had a subscription to Magnet Magazine, which was like a Philadelphia indie rock publication that was great. And yeah, they would turn you on to stuff like that. Or or, or it was back then it was mixtapes. Like I would date indie rock girls and they would put Archers of Loaf and all these other bands, you know, like in indie bands. Uh, one of my other favorite Beatles songs is from one of my favorite non-Beatles bands, and that's Wilco. Yes. Chicago's very own Wilco. Thank you. Their album from, I think, 2009, it's either 08 or 09, I'm going to say it's 2009 because I forgot to look it up, <laughs> called Wilco the Album. 
it followed an album called Sky Blue Sky. That's my favorite Wilco album. It's it, it's the one that Wilco took some shit for becoming like for becoming like dad classic rock, like Impossible Germany's on that. But I just loved it. To me, that that album to me, Sky Blue Sky, is one of my favorites. But then Wilco, the album came out, and this album feels a bit like some of their early records, like Summer Teeth and Before. Oh right. And there's a song on there. There's a few songs feel Beatles inspired. The one that I'm pointing out today is called You Never Know. All you swords swallow is pull yourselves together. Every generation thinks it's the worst. Thinks it's the end of the world. It's a secret I can't tell. As you wish down a I read an article with Jeff Tweedy or heard an interview with him when this album came out where he said he felt like George Harrison came to him in a dream and he wrote what he called his own George Harrison song. It's a pounding piano song that also sounds a bit like My Sweet Lord. Nels Klein is doing slide guitar, the great Wilco guitar player. Uh, He's doing slide guitar that sounds like George. And then there's another song later in the track called Sunny Feeling that sounds like late 70s, early 80s, Dark Horse era George Harrison. So the spirit of George is running through this album, specifically these two songs, and Wilco's very Beatles-influenced, even when they go far out, some of Wilco's most pop songs feel very Beatle-related to me, and I played in this show before, they did a one-off cover of And Your Bird Can Sing that they love playing so much, as soon as it ended, Tweety goes, (laughs) we can do this better, let's do it again, and they do the whole number again live, and the crowd goes nuts. So uh, you'll never know by Wilco, one of my favorites, and it's written to be the spirit of Beetle George, and I love every bit of it. I definitely hear the George in there. I also hear John in there. To me, like the song itself, I don't know if it's the composition, but to me, I got like a solo John, like the mid-70s John feel off of it. Especially when they hit those, those harmonies to me also just took me to a place that was very 1970s in like that wonderfully comforting way. That thing that nostalgia does to your brain, where it puts a little <laughs> nice little blanket around your brain and tucks you in. <laughs> we just did a best of. We're listening to it again, talking about being in the back seat of your parents' car. Right. It's, yeah. It's and and I got that. I got a chill when you said that because it's that feeling. The yeah. uh, the more majors I would have gone to would have been on LaSalle, not Roosevelt <laughs> Road, but same, same same thing. For service, value, and selection, it's Maury Majors Sports, Chicago, Arlington Heights, and Woodridge. Yeah. That's Sport Mart. I totally forgot. It was right by eventually what Michael Jordan's restaurant and all that. Yes, right? yeah. And they still have the handprints. The handprints. Of like yeah. Dave Corzine, <laughs> Ozzie Gian, yeah. Andre Dawson, it's <laughs> Dennis like the, Savard. Right, Dennis Savard. Right, Al, Al Secord. You know, <laughs> Gary Fensick. You know that era. <laughs> Gary Fensick, Granville Waiters. And the Waiters. He was bald in his teens. Yeah. Well, it looked like machine gun fire in there. The way that ball was batting around. Granville Waiters blocked it twice on Carmelo. No, that's a great band, and it's great to get some Chicago in there for sure too. Because I don't think the Buckinghams made any of our lists. Nor did Cheap Trick, which is probably oh, yeah. insult which yeah cheap trick was another band that got lumped into the whole like uh, beatles-esque sound overall or at least at the time in the 70s they were like you're the one of the many american beatles
Do you remember that band World Party? Remember them too? Yes. Yeah. XRT Darlings World Party. <laughs> yeah. 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 World Party came out like the year I really got into the Beatles because they played that video on MTV that had like old 60s footage of them as kids playing rock instruments or whatever it was. Yeah. And I wanted to like that band so bad because they're like, oh, this is like the Beatles. But like it, it was one of those things where it just was like, ah, for me, it, it didn't work. Well, here's the song. So I remember I was talking about Guided by Voices. When I worked radio, I had this like little half hour of alternative music that I wanted to play real indie rock. My program director, my boss, reached out to Matador Records about getting things like Pavement, John Spencer, etc. Uh, it took us a long time, but they did come through. They weren't nice about it, but they gave us like Helium and then Guided by Voices, Alien Lanes. So this is 1995, and um, I'm reading a lot of press about this band out of Dayton, Ohio, Guided by Voices. And one of the most prolific bands in the world, like Robert Pollard cranks out songs no one can keep up with this guy. Like you can't even listen to all of them. But uh, in 95, a record came out called Alien Lanes and on it was a song called Chicken Blows. And uh, it just to me like, oh, it was one of my favorites at the time. Still is. Um, there's so many. But uh, yeah, this one just really sounded like the Beatles to me. To me, it sounded like it, maybe it was like a, a weird white album outtake Slash, as we called it back then, Escher demo, you know. <laughs> before we knew it was Escher. <laughs> yeah, before our, we knew it was Escher. We used to call it Escher. That might be an American thing. I don't know. Days of George Martin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know. We used to call him George Martin. We thought he was Latin. How did we know? <laughs> it was before the internet. <laughs> Not really, but I, I didn't have the internet in 95. I'm, like I said, I was still reading Flipside and Magnet and things like that. But, and uh, buying your records at the Flipside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I always love this song. It's got like the Beatle, like I think I think background harmonies are also a Beatlesque thing. There's That seems to be a common thread in a lot of our choices of what's Beatlesque. But I've always loved this song. It sounded cool to me. And the underwater vocal thing also reminded me of Octopus's Garden. Chicken blood, I suppose we could have a good What do you mean? I'm not love this this song has a bit of a flaming lips feel to it as ah. i jotted down too it kind of if i feel like you could go in that bucket in a good way i like the yeah, flaming lips i do too. didn't love their sergeant pepper cover no i know that came out what about a half decade or so ago i tried to get into it and couldn't oh that one's nearly impossible to get through they're also trying to just make it sound different so i get it but <laughs> no thanks <laughs> no. That was a cool song. So what is the, uh, and not in a critical way, but I wrote down my phrases, mush mouth technique. Oh. Part of it sounded like mush mouth was singing a verse or two from like, like a guest spot from the Fat Albert <laughs> dynasty. Yeah, he does have that quality. Well, this is also of that era from, uh, I want to say it came out in 95, but I think they had this one laying around like in 92 or whatever. They used to just record at home. Like that was the thing. They put out four track, like everything sounded like a demo, hence the whole Esher Escher vibe uh they were they were pioneers in that whole lo-fi movement you know uh which started for them they were making records back in the 80s so they had that sound for a while yeah maybe it was all part of that whole nirvana slash weird owl you know <laughs> i talk with marbles in my mouth <laughs> <laughs>
Weird Al started to sound old to me. <laughs> yeah, back back when the polkas in forty five got slower. <laughs> but I actually the alternative polkas might be my favorite of his polkas, where he does like Black Hole Sun and stuff. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> Won't you come? I like the first one that's got Hey Joe and Hey Jude. Oh, yeah. Hey, 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 Jude. Don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. The polkas are actually my favorite parts of a lot of his stuff. And a great parody because he parodied Stars on 45. He called them Polkas on 45. <sighs> there you go, man. See, everything gets back to the Beatles somehow. <laughs> it all does. Joe Diffie was right. Another one that I have, this is another album that tried to be a Beatles album. Billy Joel's 1982 hit, The Nylon Curtain, he wrote to be like his take on a Beatles album. Now, Billy Joel's is that super, right? super Beatles inspired. I mean, the piano ballads, uh, she's got a... I mean, Billy Joel laid him with misogyny. That's the only mm. problem with Billy Joel. I mean... Another guy coming up on my list, Ben Folds kind of knocked Billy Joel down on my list a bit because I grew up love loving Billy Joel. And then when I got into Ben Folds in the 90s, I was like, oh, this is the version of Billy Joel I like because it's less angry and it's more comical and more smart ass and more kind of Ben Folds. Was your like, generation. Yeah, it was of my generation, yeah. although I, I grew up with the Innocent Man album, too. But as an adult, Ben Folds felt like more of my era. But I still love Billy Joel, but I have a soft spot for him. The second track on this record, Laura, yes. feels like a John Lennon tune that's got... It's almost like Free as a Bird in that there's a John Lennon element yeah. that then becomes a Paul song. There's oh. a George Harrison-influenced guitar solo. It's actually not one of my favorite Billy Joel songs, and it kind of is bookended by the two hits from the album, Allentown and then Pressure. And then Pressure, yeah. And Allentown's got that kind of uh, McCartney piano feel to it. So even though it's not one of my favorite Billy Joel songs, I don't know if there's any Billy Joel song that sounds more like a Beatles effort than Laura. Laura calls me in the middle of the night Passes on her Yes, I have in my notes here that, yeah, his vocal has very much a John quality to it, but also kind of an I am the walrus cadence, like when when his voice yeah. gets strained and he gets into that, um, it's like his pressure voice that's coming up, you know, that he uses in the next song. How do but like there's something that reminded me of I am the walrus about it. And then a Paul quality in the second verse. Has a very hard time. All her life has been one long disaster. There was something about the cadence in the second verse that that sounded like a Paul thing to me. Like if it was like a day in the life kind of a thing or something. But yeah, the, the middle section. It's dotted. The piano intro and closing feels like a, a Beatles moment that could have been an, an Abbey Road moment. Uh, he also swears on this. Yes, drops the f bomb. Drops the f bomb like Paul does in '93's Big Boys Bickering. <laughs> it's more like that than in like a working class hero. Yes, <laughs> no question. Uh, I feel like a fucking fool. All right, Billy. Uh, Liberty DeVito, Billy Joe's longtime drummer, plays some Ringo fills. For a song I don't love, I love the Beatles sound to this and. The album, the one thing I'll say about this album, I, I, as a Billy Joel fan, Goodnight Saigon is interminable. Seven minutes 
That's the Vietnam song. Yeah. Where he sings, we had no soft soap. We had no soft soap. Every couple songs <laughs> Billy Joel sings, it's like, you need a new lyricist, Holmes. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Call Bernie Toppin and see what he's doing today. Singing about soft soap and the seven-minute ode to veterans. We we love our veterans. I I that is an anti-veteran. That's anti-Billy Joel. No, Singing I get about it. Soft soap being one of the crises of going through Vietnam is not having soft soap. Yeah, yeah. That's a little. Um, that's kind of a first-world problem to throw in there. It's like. He also didn't have a chia pet out there either, you know, like <laughs> chia pet. Like we didn't start the fire. We're singing about rock and roll, cola wars. I can't take it anymore. Yeah, the cola wars. The cola wars Dude. took him over the break. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> if I may, another Billy Joel song from the previous record, right? Glass Houses, nineteen eighty. Yeah, through the long night. That one also sounds a little uh, like a uh, a Beatles tune to me, like more like a Paul, like a piano Paul song. Cold hands, the sad eyes, the dark Irish silence. So late, but I'll wait through the long night. It absolutely, yes, that's what a great call through the long night is one. And from the same album, Don't Ask Me Why, he's got a bit of a 70s Paul feel to it. Yeah. With that kind of circular piano bit. I mean, he was influenced. Isn't one of your least favorite Beatles covers the version of She Loves You, the rehearsal from the Russian album sessions? <laughs> Cole Heat. Well, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite. Like, if I hear it, I'm not sure I get angry, but uh, I just think it's probably not up to snuff or something like that. But what do I know? <laughs> uh, you strike me as someone who didn't love Billy Joel, fair or unfair? No, um, that's that's I would say 50 50 because I actually really did like that song, My Life. And and I liked Pressure when that was a single and I was in third grade or I guess second grade when that came 82. out. Yeah. yeah. So Another I was in second grade when that came out. And I remember sticking up for that song Pressure and all the my fellow classmates they weren't really my friends my fellow classmates at the catholic school you know because i liked that song they thought maybe i was homosexual you know because that was also 1982 for you in uh suburban chicago so <laughs> good thing you didn't show up with a cassette of the cast album of la caja faux right well oh i mean when Culture Club came out the following year or whatever, forget it, man. It was all about, like, do you like Boy George? It was this litmus test to see if you were, you know, what your life was going to be like. <laughs> yeah, well, you came out right because you love Boy George, but you have vitriol for Cindy Lauper that I don't understand. <laughs> so, Billy Joel, I love my life with the theme to Bosom Buddies. But there's some great Billy Joel and there's some Billy Joel that is not held up. The one thing I'll say about Billy Joel before we kind of wrap on this guy is his last new song or new full album material is 1993's River of Dreams. He has not released a record of new material yeah. for as prolific as he was from the early 70s through the early 90s. That's one of the strangest stories in rock, and he's performed on tour ever since, but no new Billy Joel album since 93 is just, I can't explain, it's weird to me. Well, I think he maybe saw the writing on the wall, and he knows, like, okay, at this point I'm a legacy act, and no one wants to hear my new stuff, you know? And I'm glad Paul's still putting music out. I think he can't do anything but keep creating, you know? Yeah. But let's face it, like, we're more excited to hear Helter Skelter than we are Big Boys Bickering or um, one of the bird songs on McCartney 3. Yeah, Long-Tailed Winter Bird. <laughs> yeah. Johnny was a bird dog. He's a bird. <laughs> Remember that one? Everly Brothers? Are <laughs> He's a dog. Uh, yeah, okay. So that's that. That's in Billy Joel for you right there. Oh, and by the way, Tony, mm. the syndicated version of Bosom Buddies ditched the Billy Joel My Life in favor of Stephanie Mills singing the end credits with lyrics. Yeah, but that's a money thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Piss me off. <laughs> I'd like to be Jay Paul.
Okay, so the bad news here is that this episode went long and we're going to have to make it another two-parter. But the good news is that part two is entirely about Billy Joel. I'm just kidding. About the Billy Joel, not about the two-parter. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for tolerating all of our shenanigans. If you like the show, it'd be a huge help if you could do three things for us. Number one, subscribe to the show. That way you never miss an episode. Number two, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I know we ask this all the time, but I swear every single review makes a huge difference, influencing the algorithm and helping other folks find the show. And number three, tell a friend. Algorithms are cool, but good podcast recommendations from a friend are way cooler. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. But these days we're having the most fun on Discord. Discord is free, it's fun, it's like a big chat room with a bunch of fellow Beatle nerds, and we hope you'll join. I want to take a quick second to thank Sean and Star for making our Discord server happen, and to all of our friends who've joined in the past couple weeks, including Beetle Dave, Bert Chide, Frashanti, Mr. Sticker, Temporary Secretary. We hope everyone else comes out and joins us. Let us know what you like, what you hate, what episodes we should do next. You can find the link to our Discord in this episode's show notes. Okay, that's it from me. I gotta go. The second half of this show isn't going to edit itself. And as soon as those Kenny Rogers Roasters checks start coming in, I am buying TJ and Tony a damn stopwatch. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. 